Guys, y'all don't know how blessed y'all are to have music leaders like you do. Uh, how long did y'all rehearse that, Kent? About three seconds. <laughs> Thank you uh, for being willing to, to be flexible today. Uh, guys, I'm going to talk to you about Charlie Brown. I don't talk about Charlie Brown much publicly because if you knew how many Facebook posts with his body in my head uh, I've seen, I, I don't do this very often, but uh, in one of the most famous cartoon images uh, of the Peanuts gang, you find Linus clutching to his blanket. And whenever we see him, we know he's going to be holding it, right? I mean, he always has it with him. It's his source of comfort. It's his source of protection. Uh, one time, he told Lucy the only thing between him and a nervous breakdown were a few threads of flannel. You know, and I, I think I can relate to that sometimes. Uh, so intentionally, every time Charles Schultz shows him, there he is, clutching to his blanket. We all need that security. We all got to have it. We're all afraid of what might happen. Well, every time except in one short little clip. You uh, probably are familiar with the Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, the Peanuts gang are putting on a Christmas pageant, and during that Christmas pageant, Linus comes up, and he's supposed to recite the Christmas story. Watch closely. What Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I love that. He gets so wrapped up in the Christmas story that when the angel says, fear not, did you notice what happened? He drops the blanket. Uh, and, and, and I think there's something about that that, that speaks uh, volumes of what maybe Charles Schultz wants to communicate in this world, there's so many things that make us afraid that we wish that we had security that could protect us from those things. But the one thing that gives us real peace and real comfort is when we think about what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. Uh, Christmas brings a lot of comfort. It melts fears. Uh, it, it gives us this sense of security. 
Uh, it, it, it just everything's all right at Christmas time. Uh, Christmas is this celebration that God has a plan, that God keeps His promises. Christmas is a time where we think about, man, God is with us. These great, wonderful truths we celebrate at Christmas, of, and God is so awesome that He wraps this wonderful news in a baby. I mean, isn't that awesome that he, he, he shares this news with us, the best news ever, that God is going to be with us forever, and he shares that news with us in the story of a baby. You know, a new baby changes everything, right? For those of you who've had a new baby in your home, you know how much that changes in your life. But man, it can really change a home. It can take that man who's so crusty and hard that he never smiles at anything. He stands while the singing's going on and acts like he's sucking on a lemon. You know that guy? It takes that guy who never smiles at a stranger. It takes that guy who, who, who wouldn't even cry at old yeller. It takes that guy and it will melt his heart. This rough old man, when he sees that little baby, he'll start making strange noises and talking in a funny voice. It takes, it changes stuff. A baby will do that to you. Christmas is, is awesome. And, and, and we look forward to celebrating Christmas. I, y'all really look forward at Burlington to celebrating Christmas. You know, I, I don't know if I was at Burlington or Macy's. I mean, there's so much going on, I mean, here at the church. But, I mean, it, it's so much fun. We make plans. We travel. We get to be with family. We have traditions. It's fun. But have any of you ever had a Christmas that didn't turn out awesome? Anybody? Ever had a Christmas that uh, didn't go according to your plan? You know, where everything got messed up? You know, your, your travel plans got messed up. Your, your work schedule didn't work out. And you had to change what you've done for years and years and years. Or your family, somebody in your family acted like an idiot, causing a whole lot of pain. You know? Uh, and if that person sitting next to you, just don't let them know. Uh, you know, when these things happen, it's tough for us because most of us have a vision of how we believe things are supposed to go in our life. You know, we have this, this expectation, and it starts early as kids. We have this, this image that, that, you know, every meal is supposed to be a happy meal when we're a kid. You know, and then you go to school and you're introduced to recess. And, I mean, that's an awesome thing, and this should be all day, every day, but the teacher doesn't get the memo. And then you get a little bit older and you're a teenager and, you know, you're supposed to have all the money that you want to do everything that you want to do but have absolutely no responsibility. And then you become an adult, you know, and you're supposed to get big pay and lots of perks but, you know, little work. You know, and later on, you know, we want to have kids. We have kids and we expect our kids to behave and not act the way that we did, you know. And then all of a sudden we get older and we want to retire at 55 and travel and see the world and have all kinds of money, even though we never set anything back. And that's the way life's supposed to work out for us. And we even have a way that we think that life's supposed to work out when we die, you know. I mean, we're supposed to live to be about 100. We're married 75 years. We get into our PJs. We call our, all our family in. We turn on the tape of, like, Kentucky winning, and we sit there, and we watch, and, and, we la- and then we breathe our last, and we just peacefully go. That's the way life's supposed to work out. That's the way we have it envisioned in our mind. But the problem is life doesn't always go according to our plan. In fact, life rarely goes according to our plan. And there's this faith crisis thing that happens when reality doesn't meet expectation. And when it doesn't, people have a tendency to turn their sights 
on God and wonder, God, why'd you let this happen? God, why are you doing this to me? God, what, what, yeah, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I envisioned. This is not what I bargained for. And you know, you know this had to be Mary's thought when she experiences the first Christmas. There is no way this is what she signed up for. Luke tells us that when the angel told Mary about God's plan, she immediately knew something big was going on. And the angel says to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And you'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And he'll be great, and he'll be called great. He'll be called the son of the Most High God, and, and, and he will get the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. She knows something big is going to happen. And I wonder what she expected. I mean, what'd she think? How is this going to... I mean, you know, by the way, I mean, you know, God, even when the Holy Spirit conceives <laughs> inside of you, he takes nine months, you know, and this nine-month time, her mind had to race. Was it going to be at a celebration and a feast whenever I give birth? Who's going to come? Maybe the high priest will come. Maybe my baby will be recognized at the temple. Who knows? Maybe it will be announced by the angel Gabriel coming back and just sharing with everyone. Surely she had to wonder what would happen. She had to think it was going to be big. You know, they're probably going to rent out the stadium and have everybody come in and give an announcement. But what happens is far from that. Luke 2 says, In these days, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all uh, the world should be taxed, should be a census taken. And this first census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register and so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because that's where he was from he belonged to the house of David and he went up there to register with Mary and he who was pledged to be married to him and she was expecting a child and while they were there the time for the baby to be born came bad timing and she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths, and, and she placed him in a manger because there's no room. Not what she envisioned. I mean, let's be honest. There's no way that she signed up for this. This was going to be big stuff, big news, knock it out of the park, little old me, little old Mary's going to be a part of God's great big plan, and they're in obscurity in an inn, in the backside of an inn where animals were kept. God decides it's time. No way. We tell the story so often that gives us goosebumps. My guess is it gave Mary heartburn. Or worse, if you're riding on a donkey that long. But anyhow, you know, my guess is she was not happy about how this turns out. They're taxed, not what a young couple needs. No way, no how. You know, they have to relocate. Any of y'all relocate this last year? Anybody? There was like six people in the last service. It's hard stuff. Whether you're moving across town or across the world, it's hard to relocate. And here in a time where there's no moving company to come and load you up and take you there, they have to move. And, and there's no room available when they get there. But I'm having a baby, but I don't have any room. And there's where God chooses to bring his baby into the world. 
And at the same time, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They're watching over their flocks, and, and an angel appears. And by the way, we see angels appearing, and it sounds so white and soft and easy and cuddly and good. This is scary, freak-out type stuff. You hide behind rocks when angels show up. In the Old Testament, they don't bring good news. They bring bad news. And the angel shows up and says, Hello! Well, maybe not. But anyhow, that's what they heard. And so the angel says, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because I'm bringing good news this time. It's been bad news all your life, but this time I'm bringing good news. And it's going to cause joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Someone who would save you from your mess. Someone who would save you from your sin. That's the message of Christmas, by the way. That God broke into our world, that he is with us, and he did so so that he could save us from the mess that we make. A Savior who is the Messiah. And this will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in, is that cloths or clothes? You know how your brain, cloths. Thank you, my brain is not working today on that. I'm seeing clothes every time I see that. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, swaddling cloths. Could have had swaddling, I'd have known. Lying in a manger. You'll you'll find this baby there. Uh, And uh, all of a sudden, this one angel is joined by thousands. A heavenly host joins this angel, and they start praising God, and they start saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. To those on whom his favor rests. Now, verse 15 tells us that the shepherds uh, are told to, uh, that shepherds uh, are left, the angels leave them, and the shepherds say to one another, You know, we need to go see this baby. And so they go to Bethlehem, verse 16. So they hurried off and they find Mary and Joseph and the babe who's lying in a manger. Now, every proud dad wants to show his kid off. You know, I mean, so, I mean, hey, you know, moms don't want to see anybody. But, they, you know, come on. And, but dads were saying, yeah, come on in, see my baby, see my baby. Here's a cigar. You know, that's where dads are. Well, here's Joseph and the shepherds, I guess. But Joseph has to be shocked. No kings, no leaders, no influential businessmen. When God shows off his son, it's simply to the shepherds. That's weird to me, but it's appropriate because God's not really looking for those who think they can live without him. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said. You know, it's a good story, even if you don't believe it, it's a good story. In verse 20, the scripture says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Uh, which were just as they had been told. Now, you're talking about unlikely salesmen. You know, these are unlikely salesmen, but this is who God had chosen. Did you notice I skipped verse 19? Because that's what we're going to focus on the rest of the day. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, we read this verse and go, Oh, silent night, cuddly night. These words really don't give the picture of easy. They really give the picture of of confusion. The song, I'm I'm not going to play it for you, but if you didn't see Jordan from Kentucky, Harlan, Kentucky on The Voice, 
You need to see this guy. He's out of this world. He sang Mary Did You Know on The Voice. It was awesome, by the way. Uh, but uh, uh, Mary knew something was going on, but it wasn't working out the way that she thought. I'm a good Hansel and Gretel theologian. Y'all know what that means? I live long enough, and I turn around, and I look at the breadcrumbs of where God has been working. But when I'm in the middle of it, sometimes I have no idea what's going on. And when Mary was in the middle of this going on, I think she was probably where a lot of us are. There's two words there, treasured and pondered. They're actually two Greek words. The first word is the word sentero. This means she kept it close. It's kind of like a little boy who's told for the first time, a 12-year-old, when that first girl says, I love you. He doesn't let anybody know it, but he knows it. He thinks about it all the time. It's with him. But that word's not just used for that I love you moment. It's also used for you're waiting in the doctor's office to hear a word about the lump they told you they had found. It's that same type. You keep it close. It's on you all the time. It's just there with you. You can't get rid of it. That's what the word sentero means. Uh, Have you ever thought uh, about how we got the info about Jesus' birth? It was Mary. Why why did she remember this? Well, you don't forget when you've been, you know, uh, never known a man and have a baby. You remember that, you know. Uh, You probably remember when you have a baby, period. But anyhow, she never forgets this. Ever. It always kept coming back to her. But there's another word that it's important. She treasured this. It's always right here near me. I'm holding on to it. I, I know it's here. But then she pondered it. Now this ponder uh, is the word symbolo. Uh, the word balo actually means to throw. And so internally, she's got this thing bouncing around like a ball inside of her. She's confused about what's going on. She's trying to make sense of what God's doing. She couldn't quit thinking about it. So here's Mary having the Son of God, and the only people who show show up are some grimy shepherds saying, let me hold your baby. I mean, that doesn't thrill anybody. This is not what you expect. You ever been there? Let's bring this to our world now, okay? Have you ever been there? where you're left trying to fit the pieces together. It doesn't add up. Maybe it could be something like your college application was denied. Even though you made the grades and and everything seemed to be in order, or your parents moved when you were a teenager and they uprooted you from everything that was normal. How's this good for me? Or maybe your retirement funds got depleted after you had made a significant contribution to the building fund. Or, or, or an injury left you unable to enjoy the stuff you really loved. When I was a senior in high school, I got appendicitis. My appendix ruptured. You know, that's bad. They cut me open, not the three little holes. You can play ball this afternoon surgery. They cut me open, I laid in the hospital for 10 days, and I missed training for my senior year of high school, you know, and all that stuff, you know, when this happens in November, you're way behind when you start practicing in February. I just surrendered to preach. And you're thinking, God, where are you at in this? I just surrendered, this is supposed to go well. Or maybe it was a relationship that turned upside down. You said I do, and you meant it, and apparently they didn't. Or your plant closed. 
you worked there for 25 years and now you're 50 years old and you don't have many skills to find something else. Or you have a health issue. And I, I hear, I hear you. You say what I say when those things happen. Where are you in this, God? How could this be what you want for me? Now, don't misunderstand. We are God's children, and he's promised to give us eternal life, and I believe he's promised to meet our needs and to bring his good to us, but I think we all have a vision of what his good looks like in our life that maybe is not accurate. It's fed some by the modern church. Go to church. It'll be better. Give your tithe. You'll have hundreds more. Uh, speak good into your life, and good will come. I want to tell you, I, I get it. I understand the modern church has fed this, but, but when it doesn't, happen even the most faithful people can say what gives elizabeth elliot surely she had to wonder what gives god when her husband went to south america to the Aka indians to share the gospel who she was going to come join him just a few weeks later and he's killed two weeks after stepping onto the beach or lottie moon Shirley had to say, God, what gives? I, I left everything to go tell the people of China, and we don't have enough food to eat. You sent bread from heaven before, God. Why are you not doing it now? I received a letter a few years ago from a person in our church. It said, Pastor, I've been trying to live for Jesus. I've been trying to make godly decisions. I've been really seeking his will, and everything is turned upside down in my life. Where is God in this? They called me about two weeks after that, and they said, Pastor, I'm sorry to dump on you in that letter. And you know what I said? I understand. We have this way of thinking, this is how my life is supposed to work, and it was, when it doesn't happen, our sights immediately go to God and say, what gives? You are the sovereign. You are above all. Why is this not working out? There are times in life all we can do is wonder, God, how's this fit in your plan? I don't know if you're there or not. This is not a typical Christmas message, but I guarantee you this was the first Christmas experience. Here's what I would do. First thing I would tell you is be humble. You are not the ruler of the universe. There is a sovereign over everything, and by the way, you're not it. His plan is not determined by our plan. We make our plans, but he directs our steps. He knows tomorrow. He knows what's good in light of eternity. He knows how every circumstance can give him glory. He knows how all things can work together for good of those who love him. His plans are right. His plans are good. His plans never fail. And I know when things don't work out according to our plan, we have a tendency to wrestle with God, and we wonder, God, why are you doing this? We can even get to the point that we're bitter with God, where we say, I, th I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about my life. I thought you wanted good for me. I, I went to church. I did what I was supposed to. Look what it's got me. Some people even check out and say, I'm done. This is the best I get. I'm done. I want to encourage you to be faithful because the path you get on determines where you're going to end up. And when you get on a path in the dark, when you're confused, I promise you it's still going to end up to the same place that it was going to when you were in the light. If you get on the path of unfaithfulness when you don't understand, that's the path you'll be on when you figure it out. See, a lot of you, a lot of us, 
we become less faithful when it's not going good. That path of unfaithfulness will take you in a direction that will lead you farther from where you know you need to be. I, guys, I don't understand why babies die. I don't understand natural disaster. I don't understand terrorists. I don't. I, I, I don't understand why some good people suffer so hard at the end of their life. But one day I believe we will understand it better. And on that day I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not why didn't you trust me? Not why did you give in to that temptation that you have? I, I don't understand why God lets temptation stay. I don't understand that. I mean, would it be easier if he just wiped that away and said, you're not going to have that? Maybe he does. The, why, why does God let us have these hard times? Why does he, maybe he lets it happen so we have to trust him. And we have to acknowledge, God, I need you. I'm a wreck. I'm messed up. Guys, God's timing's not our timing. So be patient. One of the main reasons I wonder what God is doing is I have such limited understanding of time. I get wrapped up in the now, and God sees the forever. Kent, you were good at this a minute ago. Can you come and help me? Thank you. Guys, I want you to envision something here. I want you to envision that this is your life. If you can't see it, it's a piece of green tape. Uh, it's about an inch long, maybe a hair longer than an inch. Um, envision this is your life, and here's our plan for our life. We're going to be born perfectly healthy into two parents that love us, grandparents around all the time, snacks given to us whenever we want. We grow up healthy. We're put in a good school. We learn quickly because we're above average in intelligence. We... We, we do really well in school. We get a great job. We meet the love of our life when we're 21 years old. When we're 24 and out of school and everything's paid for, we get married. We have three perfect kids who never mess up. They have grandbabies who always come to our house at the holidays. That we live a long life and we're married for 75 years and then we both lay down together in bed and hold hands and we close our eyes and we go to sleep and we both die. That's how life we think it should look. The problem is, is here's how this little bit of life usually looks or can look. We have our plans and there's tons of bumps in the road, but imagine with me if you had a young man who was born to a, a crack addict mom who couldn't take care of him. And that young man was bounced from foster home to foster home. Because he was bounced around, he didn't get a good education. Because he didn't get a good education, he didn't get a good job. Because he didn't get a good job, he struggled just to find food every week. Life really turns upside down for him. But then he meets somebody he loves. And that person he loves gets sick and dies. He's bitter because of that. But he continues to press on, and then his health starts to fail him. And for the next 70 years, he battles internal sickness and external problems. And he faces these so long that he has prayed to die over and over and over again. That's not the vision most of us have for our life, those 100 years. But let's say that's what happens. Now I want you to envision that I've got about, I guess, 
10 inches here. Let's envision that this is a thousand years. For those of us who die and we trust in what Christ has done for us, the Bible says we will be taken from this life of sin and we will be transported into an eternal glory where there is no more pain, there is no more death, there is no more heartache, there is no more sorrow. All those former things are passed away. Yeah, it's still there. We can still see it. But now all of a sudden, it's not nearly as bad because look what God is going to give to those who love him. Now, if you'll take it to about out this way a little bit, take it on out just a little bit more, about there. Best I can tell, that's about 10,000 years. I don't believe that every hymn that is written is inspired by God, but I really like the one that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when it just begun. So now all of a sudden, this hundred years, it's still there. We still recognize it. We might even, oh, yeah, oh, man, that was bad. But, man, look at all, all this good. Keep going. Kent's going to keep going back here a little ways. Keep going, keep going. All right, stop about there. A uh, little more. We're getting close to a million years. Okay? Y'all getting the picture? All of a sudden, the hardships that we face in this life, do they even compare to the glory that God has? Now, if you will keep walking, uh, go out the doors, down the steps, take a look right. <laughs> I think there's a Diet Mountain Dew on sale down the road. If you'll get that. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I look taller back there. <laughs> you look better back there. <laughs> Y'all get the picture? All right. If you'll wind that up, brother, I appreciate it. Please. <laughs> Here's the idea. Y'all understand. This life is hard, and we will face hardships in this life. And when you want to check out on God because they're hard, remember that God has promised to forever by and by that even though darkness reigns for the night, joy comes in the morning. And that morning will come which will, uh, the sun will never set on. That morning will come where all things will be made new. That morning will come that the God who is with us in this darkness will shine like the sun forever and we will enjoy his presence forever and ever and ever. And it all started in a moment that nobody understood. Mary's patience amazes me. Not only... Is Mary left pondering this at this time? But we see a lot of times in her life where Mary's probably wondering what's going on. Whenever Jesus is 12 years old, he goes to the temple, and he stays in the temple. And Mary said, hey, where are you? And Jesus said, didn't you know I was supposed to be about my father's business? And then there's another time. You remember where Mary and, and Jesus' other brothers, Mary's other children, they are looking for Jesus. And one of his disciples comes to him and says, Lord, your mom and your brothers, they're looking for you. And Jesus looks up and imagine if your mom, Jesus looks up and says, Guys, you are my mother and my brothers. You don't think she was a little confused at that moment? And then when, if you don't think she was confused then, think about when he was on the cross dying. She was there. Everybody else leaves except John and a few of the women. And I know she had to believe. She was pondering these things in her heart. Okay, it's going to end soon. God's going to do something miraculous. And then he looks at her and says, Woman, behold your new son, John. It wasn't until the third day 
when Mary went to the tomb. Why? Because she pondered these things in her heart. She kept it close to her that she knew that her son was the Savior of the world, that he was God with us when he rose from the dead on the third day. Guys, here's the deal. Why do some people hold on when they don't see the pieces fitting together and some people check out? That's the question I want to answer, and we're going to wrap up right now. Why? Here's the only thing that I can figure out. People who have had a real encounter with God hold on even when they don't see how the pieces fit together. Why did Mary hold on? Mary knew what happened. Why do we hold on? Because we know what God has done. I don't know what my future holds. I really don't. I don't know how easy life will be. I really don't. I hope my relationships stay intact. I hope my children bear children. And I get to be Papa, but I don't know if it'll work out that way. And if it doesn't work out that way and my plan and my expectations are not met, will I be confused? Probably so. But will I let go? I never will. And I'll never let go because of what God did in me. When I was a 12-year-old boy, I gave my heart and life to Jesus, and God came to live inside of me, and I know he is there. And no matter what comes my way, I want to be faithful to him. My prayer for you this Christmas is that the baby that was born in the manger has given you new birth through your faith in Christ. Maybe the reason some of you have a hard time hanging on is because you have nothing to hang on to. I'd hate to live in that world. I'm so grateful that by faith I've been made alive. And by faith I've been given hope. And by faith I've been given peace. And by faith I can let go because I know he's holding on let's pray Father God I thank you for your word I thank you for the good news that Jesus came to us thank you Jesus thank you thank you thank you and Lord when I don't understand what you're doing Lord help me to believe and trust Lord you don't have to prove your love to me you don't have to prove your goodness to me you proved it Lord when you went to the cross Truthfully, Lord, you proved it when you left heaven and came to earth. Lord, you are good. You've always been good. And Lord, when this life is tough, help me to remember that there is a life, an eternal life, where former things pass away. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here who doesn't know the hope of eternal life, I pray today they would. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a second, we're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. I'm not talking about that I was four years old being cute moment. Can God save people when they're four? God can do whatever he wants to. But I'm talking about that real I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I can't be fixed without Jesus moment. That I'm lost and have no peace. And I'm not playing the church game moment. I'm giving my life to Jesus moment. I'm talking about that God you can have every bit of me moment. If you've never had that in your life.
then I encourage you today to surrender your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to do something hard. I'm going to ask you in a minute when we stand up to come forward. I want you to come to me, and I, not because I hold the magic pill, but simply so I can pray for you and so I can talk to you about how I gave my life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you want to be baptized. Had a young girl after the last service come up and say, I want to follow Christ in baptism. Maybe you're here today and you would like to make that commitment. We're going to talk to her and in a few weeks she'll be baptized. Uh, we'd talk to you and if you want to in next week or in a couple weeks, you can be baptized as well. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join the church. We had a man in the last service who joined the congregation. If you'd like to join this church, you could come. We'd be glad to tell you how you can. Maybe you just want to take communion today and you want to thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. You're, you're welcome to do that. Or if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can come. But we're going to stand right now and sing. If God speaks to you, won't you come?